There was quite a bit of news coming out of DC fandom last weekend, and I cannot wait to talk all about it. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Explosion. I am your host, John Winterb. And this week, I have a returning guest and fellow Star Wars super nerd with me. Sam Gilligan is here on call on Zoom. How are you doing today, Sam? Doing great. Excited to talk about Star Wars. Excited to talk about DC. Yeah, of course, we got to talk about DC first. And we got the first trailer for The Batman this past weekend. I know that a lot of people have been really excited for this. And they left it for absolute last on DC fandoms multi-hour live stream which had all i was all watching that really live sad. stream for two hours for two hours i was hooked and every like little break they would say up next the batman but up next was definitely not the batman for two hours <laughs> yeah not i know i had to sit that through that was... the 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 supergirl panel and stuff because they they did they talked about their final season and the the wonder woman anniversary stuff and like it was neat but like I'm here for the movie news. Yeah, no, I liked it. Don't get me wrong, but you all know why I'm watching this. It's for Batman. You, it's <laughs> Batman, and it was for Flashpoint. The, uh, the 40, I, I, the 45 see, I don't seconds want, I, of Flashpoint reason, that we got. The only reason I don't have Flashpoint as a talking point for this week is because I only have bad things to say. <laughs> oh, no. What are the... Okay, well, give me one bad thing to say about it. Um, I probably mentioned this on the podcast before with my co-host Sean, but I really hate the fact that the first live-action Flash movie is Flashpoint. That bothers okay, that's a very fair the heck out of me. It kind of takes sideline to everything yes, else and, that is happening. Yes, and that is like the main point, and then everything else I don't like about the movie stems from that idea, from that fact that it's a Flashpoint movie. Things like I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Like with Michael Keenan and Ben Affleck coming back as Batman, like that interests me. But like, this is a Flash movie. I want to watch it for the Flash, but I'm Agreed. not excited at all for the Flash stuff in the Flash movie. Yeah, that's not even the hype part of the trailer. The yeah. hype part was Batman. Yeah, and which... like we're also getting Supergirl, and we're having multiple versions of the Flash, and also Reverse Flash, and I just. I'm not interested. <laughs> I have moderate interest to see what the heck they do with old man Michael Keaton. In my yeah. heart of hearts, I know they won't, but I do still wish that they do a Batman Beyond type thing. That would be pretty cool. We have old man Batman. All the pieces are set. It would be great, especially with Miles Morales now becoming more popular than Peter. Totally unrelated to DC, but mm -hmm. same concept. Now, yeah, kind of, almost. I would say Spider-Man 2099 is closer to Batman Beyond. Oh, well, yeah, in, like, and color. Technology, era, technology, the yeah. villains he fights. I mean, in Even personality of, like, junior um, hero, black and red costume. Yeah. Well, I you think personality-wise, Miguel is closer to, to Terry than Miles is. So, on the subject of Batman, though, we got to talk about that Batman trailer. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. It looks so good. This is probably the best that any i shouldn't say it's the best that any movie that dc has made this look because the suicide squad looked amazing back in august but yes. like it probably is the best looking batman film since 1989 really yeah i think this genuinely looks visually spectacular because that's the thing with like the dark knight trilogy is they were written well and they had a lot of compelling elements and the cast was really good but direct it was just wise, a city 
Yeah, especially in The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. It, it was just Chicago. And none of, the, none of the visual style was overly gothic. It didn't really feel like a comic book movie. It just felt like a, a movie. Like it felt like a detective drama movie that had Batman in it. Yeah. Which can be fine. But I feel and like this fine. is that, but also like comic booky. <laughs> Agree. I'm excited to see this whole trailer. All I could think of the whole time was that this looked surprisingly a lot like the Arkham Knight Gotham. Yes. Like I, agree I looked at that, that diner and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's literally the first place you go in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's the first thing in the trailer. Wild. Yeah, I definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a callback because uh, Matt Reeves has, and the entire cast has made it very clear that when it came to their characters and what storylines they pulled for the movie, they said that they pulled from all eras of Batman, no matter how like old or new. I'm excited. They described it as a, uh, a detective noir Batman, yes. which is something new we haven't gotten in a long time. Yeah, Matt Reeves, when he was first interviewed about um, working on the script for the film, he said that they were pulling more for like a younger detective Batman and focusing more on the detective elements of the story, which is something that, to my knowledge, there really hasn't been any, anything like that done in the live action Batman film before. That's been done no. in like the TV shows, like Batman the Animated Series, and even um, Batman the Brave and the Bold, but it's never really been done in the film. So it's really cool to see that here. And I think it's ex- also. Sorry, you go first. Oh no, you you were you had you still had a thought. Keep going. But but I think that's also the biggest reason why they specifically picked the Riddler to be the villain for this one. Yeah, the stakes with the Riddler are a lot lower than they would be if, say, like Bane showed up on the scene. Yeah, because he's more of a. It's also much that the stakes are lower as much as he's a different type of enemy for Batman. Because with Bane, not that Bane like isn't intelligent or a methodical thinker, but the biggest thing with Bane is that his brawn matches he's just mind. big yeah yeah he's he's intelligent strategic and extremely strong well with riddler he's kind of just a, a methodical mess i was hoping for a clue master if i'm being totally honest clue master's stephanie neat. brown um but i think that with if they want to i'm do, joking like bat I'm joking. stuff I mean, I guess, like, you say that, but, like, Blue Master's actually a pretty good villain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, you joke, but I would be completely okay if they did that for a future movie. That would be awesome. Glad we got the real the real master of, master of Mysteries, the Riddler. Yeah. I don't know where they put him in a, uh, in that mask. We all know what it looks, we all know what it looks like. Yeah. I'm here to set the record straight and say, actually, it's, uh, I think, a gas mask or something. Yeah, from like World War Two. Yeah, the same the uh, buzzards in Mad Max 2, 1983, I believe, also wore the same mask. I recognized it instantly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you perverts out there, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> but but no, and I'm and the Rover's not the only villain we're getting for this thing. He's like we're getting so many like um, bat like rogue scoury characters in this film and we only saw we only fully saw two of them in here because we didn't even really get a look at the riddler we got a lot of what? like clues and stuff with them and a lot of subtle like foreshadowing for scenes that he's probably going to be in but we didn't actually see him which is really i don't know why they're hiding his face when he's just gonna look like the actor like i don't think they're gonna yeah, give him any crazy like makeup Dana. or anything yeah i don't i don't know you look at the makeup for the penguin it, it could be some crazy makeup 
Because my but Colin Farrell looks nothing like Colin Farrell in this movie. Oh, no, yeah, I was shocked. So they definitely could do some makeup on the Riddler to make him not look like Paul Dano. So we've got Penguin, we've got Riddler, we've also got Catwoman. Yeah, which... Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman for the Batman, and she looks great. I don't know what whose idea it was to have her like cat mask be a weird beanie. Not a fan. Have you you know what I'm talking about? In her cat was it in the was it in the trailer? Yeah, in her Catwoman getup, she's wearing like a weird burglar like spy TF2 style mask. But it's got like pointy little oh, ears. Oh yeah, yeah, on. yeah. I see what I see what it looks like. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just like a burglar mask with it, it, I think that it looks goofy. But I, I, I think that, what they're doing with that is again, you have to consider that this version of Batman hasn't been Batman for that long. Because even his out even his costume isn't like overly theatrical. It's very like grounded. It's kind of similar to what Christian Bale's Batman had before his official suit. Oh yeah. Version. This is Batman year one. So I think that's the biggest reason why like none of the characters have like actual costumes and stuff. And you also have to know that they're going to use um, Zoe Kravitz for a while because there's two sequels for this film already. Whoa, for real? We're probably going to have these characters around for a while. So we're going to have the Robert Pattinson Batman trilogy joining the ranks of all Batman movies ever made. We're going to at least have three films, if not more. Neat. Neat. I'm excited. Yeah, because how old is Robert Pattinson? He's like in his 30s now, right? Yeah, I believe so. I can look it up. No, I'm looking it up. Yeah, he's only 35, so they could have him around for a while if they want. Only 35? That's a little surprising. Yeah, he's young. I mean, he was in his 20s yeah. when he did Twilight. So yeah, that's like what I was thinking of this whole time. And he was he was in his late teens when he was in God with a Fire. So. Oh yeah, he was a little baby in that movie, huh? Yeah, he was. I think a year older, year or two older than um, Daniel Radcliffe was. He died in that one too. Yeah, sad, sad. But no, and then, so, and I think that Zoe Kravitz actually looks really good as Catwoman. Outside of like the, the outfit, again, it's probably because they're going for a, a more early design for her, and she might have an actual costume later in the film. Who knows? I am excited to see. Uh, from the trailer, it seems that Riddler has gained a new superpower, which is latte art. Uh, <laughs> I really hope that we do that. That scene has a little context because he was so calm with it i can't wait to see did he like plant a bomb somewhere is there some kind of riddle riddle me this hidden across the city and that's why he's like come talk to me myself batman when batman slams the glass and then says something almost indecipherable first time i I saw it i thought he said batman when he slams the glass i know now that he says what have you done but the first time I watched it without subtitles, I thought he said, what if you died? And I had to pause it. I was laughing really hard. <laughs> I was trying to imagine why he would care that much. But no, and then that's not even mentioning like the, the actual, besides the villains, the actual other members of the cast, like Andy Serkis as Alfred, who we got their first look at in the trailer. Finally. Surprising. Yeah, he what has do done a lot. Yeah, he, he's like a nerd culture king because he directed Yes, He was in... The MCU, he's been in Star Wars, he's been in more of the rings as Gollum, he's been all over the place when it comes to nerd stuff. Yes, so. nerd legend. But I'm excited. I didn't really pin him as an Alfred. Yeah, I think that what they've been doing is they've been trying to give us different 
takes on Alfred over like the last couple of decades. So like in the Dark Knight trilogy, we had our typical like classic old wise Alfred. And then in the Zack Snyder films, we had kind of like mechanic engineer Alfred. And now in these, we have kind of like former MI6 agent Alfred. Yeah, is this like with how built Andy Serkis is. And with how much they pushed Penny, uh, Pennyworth during DC fandom, I'm starting to think this is just Alfred's like backstory now. Mm-hmm. Is that he's like a grizzly, tough kind of guy? I mean, it was which I never comics. took him for. That's how he was in Gotham too. Yeah, I rem- so. I remember only watching like three or four episodes of Gotham, but was I that, got that from him. Good. Oh no, I I remember fun. like following like what. The development of the villains were on like Tumblr that really yeah. dates way back in the day. Uh, it was definitely like, better than most of the CW DC shows airing at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. CW had like a thousand DC shows. There was a period of time, our uh, one of our uh, high school math teachers had a Green Arrow Funko Pop in her room, but I don't think she knew anything about Green Arrow as a whole. As like a yeah, because, uh, Green Arrow in the in the show compared to the comics is completely different. He's, I mean, he was basically Batman for most of the seasons of the show, and then eventually they started getting more into the camp because that's what people were liking about the Flash and what yeah. Arrow. So they brought that in the Arrow, and uh, mixed success with that. Mixed success. I, I liked season five. <laughs> Of Arrow? The season, yeah, which was the season when they started introducing the more campy stuff. Hmm. And that was How did we get to Arrow? Everything else after that was there. Anyways, returning to Batman, I think he went way too hard on that one guy. Mm-hmm. When he shocked that guy on the pole, that guy is totally dead. There is no way that yeah, he's alive. I mean, he could just be seriously in the hospital. You don't know. Oh, forever. <laughs> oh, forever. You have to His consider, brain exploded. Yeah, that's another one of those things where you have to consider, again, like, this is early years Batman. He's probably more brutal because he doesn't realize how strong he is yet. He doesn't know that he, he can do, like, limit. Fist of the North Star, I punched you twice, and now you are in the hospital forever. <laughs> like, Batman powers. Yes. Yeah. Batmobile, eh. Seeing it, it in action, like, I thought I, mean, I was going to like car. it a little more. Yeah, it's it a car. Like car. It's a car. I mean, eh. again, again, it's another one of those things where you're like, this is early Batman. He'll probably get a more like decked out Batmobile at some point later on. Well, if even if even like I'm not looking for a for a decked out per se Batmobile, but like it's just so simple. It's just a car with like a burner in the back. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not begging for like a flashy like a tumbler. Or a 60s, like, black and red Batmobile. But uh, Batman the Animated Series had, like, a stretch limo. Yes. As his Batmobile. That was sick. And it was, and it screamed Batmobile. Like, it was also just a car, but it had, it had the little bat wings on the back. There's yes. no bat motif to this car. It's, it's just a car. Yeah. You may as well see this Batmobile in, like, Fast and the Furious. I like it, don't get me wrong. But it's not a Batmobile. Yet. 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 Who knows? Could get could look very different either by the end of the movie or in the, the sequels. So we'll just have well, to the that. <laughs> But no, and of course this movie is set to release on March 
fourth, which feels much sooner than I actually thought. I'm like, wow, that's actually yes. pretty soon. That's in like five months. Yeah. Oh, my old blinkered will be here. <laughs> Crazy that I won't be even in college when that happens. March. I'll be hopefully working, which is a scary thought. It is a scary thought. Don't look forward to it. <laughs> but no, any any final thoughts on the Batman before we move on to the next topic, Sam? Nothing that hasn't already been said by many, many reviewers before, but I'm going to say it anyway. Batsuit, eh, I like it more. I do fine. like it now that I know that it's like super bulletproof. I mean, he was getting lit up in that hallway just walking right so this batman is like invincible uh final thought super weird thought i think robert pattinson has the least threatening teeth out of any of the live action batmans we've ever gotten but he has the best which is a really he does have the best jawline there's no debating that well mm, christian bale was batman christian i mean uh, i mean christian bale's jawline is good but robert pattinson's is just yeah dark. you're right i can't i can't turn my back on my edward he's got the cheekbones he does have cheekbones which makes his bat helmet look a little weirder because it rests right on his cheekbones so it makes it look like his face doesn't have any cheekbones yeah but i think it looks you see good it? as like a younger batman it makes him look young which I think oh no yeah good. this is that's exactly what they're this is a primitive for. batman Hopefully he evolves. Not to say that I don't like it, but it'll be cool to see. Yeah, it uh, definitely is like this is the first movie with him as Batman. They're definitely going for like a even more of a, a beginnings of the character than Batman Begins did back in 2005. And it looks like a strong beginning to hopefully a good series if this movie is good. Fingers, fingers triple crossed. Yeah. So what else we got on the itinerary? Yeah. Is there anything else from DC fandom that you want to talk about? I know that we got Black Adam and a few other things. Oh, yeah, there was Black Adam. I'm, th- I'm thinking now. I talked a little bit about Flashpoint. I already said I'm hoping for Batman Beyond. Uh, Black Adam. Actually, I do have something to say. Pierce Brosnan, Dr. Fate. Wow. That yeah, came out of left good. field. I think uh, it could look good. I know we I talked about the looks- casting when it was first confirmed on the podcast, but I think it's really smart because he's very, he has a lot of theater experience and that can make for a really interesting performance as a character like Dr. Fate. On top oh, of the fact yeah. that his actual, just with the little bits of the costume that we see and some of the set photos and stuff that we got look really good. Big fan. I really like the helmet, uh, the no eyes design. Very bold choice. Hits square on the nose for me. Big fan of it. Uh, I get, I okay, so I get that they're trying to distance him from Doctor Strange. Yeah. Because they're both like wizards, but yeah, they did that by like casting. Magic characters, but other than that, they have very little in common. Even, st- well, Doctor Strange fate, that's like their bastard son. But even trying to distance from Doctor Strange, they picked a British wizard, like a, a British guy with a mustache. I yeah, but they could also just straight up make Doctor Fate British. <laughs> Oh man. It's hard to make strange British because he's from New York. Yeah, it's crucial that he's from New York. That is crucial to his persona. Uh Dr. Fate with Pierce Brosnan, it's looking like he's gonna be sort of like a like a wise old man, Dr. Fate. Looking mm. forward to it. Or at least looking the, forward the person to it. underneath the mask is. 
True, true. Yeah. We don't Dr. know what... Fate's whole thing is that he is Naboo, the wizard. Yeah, he is like a, a own selective, like all powerful consciousness that takes over the bodies of um wizards or people that know magic. Dr. Fate is the helmet, them. not the guy. Yes. Yeah. And then uh Black Adam himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Dwayne Johnson, the rock. Uh, I think it's funny that he I actually just recently watched Shazam, parts of Shazam, rather, for the first time. And the wizard Shazam said that he, he picked somebody to protect the Rock of Eternity is the reason that Black Adam, Teth Adam, was chosen to receive power. And I think it's funny that they picked the Rock to defend what, the Rock what, of Eternity. Weird, yes. But, I mean, you say they picked the Rock, but really the Rock picked himself because he's been campaigning for this movie to get made for over a decade. Oh, I'm so excited. He's, we all, we've all known he's the only one who could do it. And yeah. now he's finally doing it, the madman. Yeah. I mean, they saw how successful, they saw that people liked Shazam. And they had, ha- they knew that Dwayne the Rock Johnson had been trying to get Black Adam made for forever. So when Shazam finally started production, they're like, yeah, sure, why not? This is probably going to be one of the first times we see The Rock play someone who isn't just Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. He's actually playing a character for one. Oh, I'm excited to do And I'm excited to see it, especially given that it's an evil character. I have always said that Dwayne Johnson is a little scary. Mm-hmm. When you peel back The Rock, he could be a really threatening guy. Yeah, He's I huge. mean, he has played the Scorpion King in the Mummy film. So This is He's true. Not- it's not that he hasn't played like non likable characters before in the past. It's just that he hasn't in a long time. Not with the same like The Rock smugness. Yeah. I'm excited to see him be like like the Scorpion King. That movie was kind of kind of pish. You know what I mean? Kind of fish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm excited to see Black Adam and see him be like. You can, I, I just realized you and our listeners can't see it, but I made like a mean, scary face. I'm excited <laughs> to see The Rock be evil is the bottom line here. I, I just think he's really going to shine. Yeah, and Black Adam's a really interesting character because he's kind of like, he's not really a villain per se as much as an anti-hero. Where he's yeah. kind of like, if you know anything about Namor from Marvel, he's kind of like that, where he kind of, only cares about the well-being of his country and the power that that gives him. Yes. Than anything else. And I'm excited to see him just, 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 just go nuts. Just go yeah. totally nuts. Is Shazam in this? Does he fight? No. Does he fight Captain Marvel? No. To my knowledge, the current plan is to have Shazam and Black Adam together for the third Shazam movie. Oh, of course. Um, because the second one, the one that's coming out, Fury of the Gods, is going to deal a lot with Greek myth and the characters Ooh. that give Shazam his powers. Uh, Achilles, Mercury, uh, Hercules, and there's like two more. Solomon, uh, Solomon, Atlas. Atlas, there's three more. Yeah, and there's a few others. Um, Zeus. Yes, there we go. Yeah. No wonder. And there's others. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm not the big. I've never been a, a big like Shazam nerd. I've read a few of the the Jeff Johns comics, and I've seen the movie. That's about it. And and he was in Me? a 
Batman the Brave and the Bold and Justice League the Animated Series. Version. That's what I was going to say. The only reason I know he even exists is because he uh, kicked Superman's butt in Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, that was a really good episode. Oh, really oh that was awesome. Uh, what else we got on the itinerary? Uh, I think I think that, what other big news we got. I mean, we got like again confirmation of the second Shazam movie. We got set photos from Aquaman too. Oh, any good? Anything good looking? Uh, mostly just stuff with uh Black Mana, Aquaman in the stealth suit. Um, we got confirmation that um Orm is going to be working with Aquaman at some point in the film, Ooh. probably on a stealth mission because he was wearing an all black suit. Ooh. So we'll get Ocean Master again working with Aquaman this time. Ocean Master. Um, we didn't see anything of... Uh, why am I forgetting her name? Amber, Amber Heard's character. character. <laughs> yeah. Did they replace her or not? I remember that. Not to my knowledge, they have not. Well, I could eh. be wrong, but I don't think they have. Well, we haven't seen her yet, so the vote is still out. But other than that, I mean, again, like we know Black Man is the main villain for it, so he's going to have a lot more screen time. He looked like he had an updated suit that looked a more yeah. um, blocky or like bigger than it did in the last oh, yeah. one, where in the, in the first film it was kind of more slim than I than you It was have sleek and like, and like hydro, hydro like dynamic. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. And it's a little more like rough and blocky this time around. Like it nice. looks bigger. Like he had nice. like a full year to work on it <laughs> and oh, improve yeah. the technology rather than just using what was given to him. See, I've only seen again only a few scenes of Aquaman one. Why? Oh, it's so good. You, I you was not are, like that super high. in the cheese. You would absolutely love Aquaman. Okay, it's definitely I, a you movie. You're the first person who's ever said that there's a lot of cheese in it. So now it I'm is, interested. There is an octopus that plays the drums. What? <laughs> That's sick. I didn't Aquaman know there was an rides octopus a seahorse in the third act. Like... <laughs> okay, but that's like supposed to be serious, I thought. No. <laughs> yes, Aquaman riding a seahorse is the most serious thing ever in any competition. Dude, it could be. We laugh, but if you're like, but. If Aquaman for real rode out of the ocean on a seahorse, nobody's laughing. I mean, it's to the point where, like, all three of our titular characters, Aquaman, Ocean Master, and Black Mana, all call each other by their comic book names at some point in the movie. Okay, that is that is pretty cool. <laughs> no, you. it's on HBO Max right now, I'm pretty sure. Ooh, I have HBO Max right now. I think it is. Let me look real quick, because HBO Max writes and all that stuff I've been using uh, I've been using HBO Max to binge Batman Beyond and spawn the animated series from the 90s. Is the animated spawn series good? Because I've never seen it. I say yes, but I'm biased. It's definitely showing its age, starting to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd McFarlane isn't the like specific overseer guy. But his influence, his style, very much felt. Spawn, the man himself, the titular Spawn, beautiful Spawn. Uh, super dynamic. It's worth a watch if you're a fan of comics or animation or anything. Not the whole series, maybe, but at least a few episodes. Like, I am on season two, episode two now. And it is just, oh, amazing. 
given that the only two pieces of spawn media we've gotten are this show and the terrible live action movie. There, I mean, there's mm-hmm. worse comic book movies than the 90s spawn, but it's still pretty bad. Oh, there's way worse comic book movies than the 90s spawn. I know because I've seen them. <laughs> but no, definitely worth a watch. It's Halloween, so I'm 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 promoing this right now. Go watch Spawn on HBO. Not for the week of not for the week stomach. People die in really gruesome ways every like four minutes. Uh, but it's really cool. Yeah. Although my usual Halloween recommendation for people when it comes to shows is just the first season of JoJo. <laughs> Because it's so perfect. It's Halloween. It's, it's about vampires. Home. It's gothic. It's gothic horror with, um, with memory. <laughs> like and it's a perfect one... combination of actual horror and cheesy baloney. It's perfect. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Speaking of which, I don't mean to derail the conversation, but no, how's season? Fine. How's uh part six looking? Any new news? Anything at all? Uh, not since August. I think we haven't gotten any new news other than the, the the trailer for it and the announcement that's going to be on Netflix. Oh yeah, it did have a Netflix announcement. Yes, yeah, it's. I know that Netflix just started airing um, Comey Can't Communicate week to week for the first. It's the first anime I think that they've ever had on their service that is Ooh. airing week to week alongside it in J- Japan. I think there's like a two-week delay for when it goes up on Netflix because it's going up worldwide, not just in the U.S. Um, but because of that, I imagine that something similar is going to happen with Stone Ocean. I know that they already said that we're probably going to get a week-to-week release because it's airing on Netflix worldwide before it airs broadcast in Japan. Man, that is cool. So, yeah, it's wild. And it's going to air at the end of December, the first episode at least. Oh, this December? This December. Ooh. Yeah, the, I believe it's the last Friday of December is when the first episode goes up. I'm marking my calendar. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, excited. Based, again, based off of the, what they're doing with Comey, I believe that it's only going to be Japanese initially, which I know for all the people like me, uh, usually prefer the dub for recent seasons of JoJo's, might be a little disappointed about that. But... I mean, we were probably all going to watch it in Japanese initially anyways, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really make that big of a difference. Um, so that, that makes me think that they're either going to have like a three-week or a month delay on localization episode to episode, or they're going to localize like the cores each at a time. Like they'll wait for the first 13 episodes to air and then they'll localize it. Man, I'm excited. So, so speaking of Netflix... We got Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Yes. We, we got, got Cowboy, Bebop. For Cowboy Bebop. And boy, does it look good. Yeah. I was very on the fence initially because you know how live action anime adaptations have been in the past. Oh, yeah. But after <laughs> yeah, They this... haven't been good. They've been pretty bad. So I was very much not really looking forward to the Cowboy Bebop. And then when the opening um, first released, I think either either last month or near the end of August, I saw it and I was like, this is, this is neat, but I feel like it was just a little too much that they were trying to do with that. So I, I still was very on the fence, but then the Lost Session teaser came out on Tuesday, on October 19th, and I watched it five times. <laughs> Ooh, la, la. 
I don't know what I was expecting going into it. I had very low expectations, not in a case of what Netflix would put out, uh, not in a case of the quality of the production or the writing, but like you said, animated live action adaptations. Oosh. Uh, very, 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 very pleasantly surprised though. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. I don't yeah, even know where series, to begin, so I'm going to let you do that. Yeah, this series does have a few things going for it that a lot of other anime, live-action anime adaptations don't. Netflix made a bunch of smart decisions with the production for this. Besides just from like costume and set designs being almost one-to-one with the anime, they consulted with the director of the original series, and they got Yoko Kano back the compose Ooh. for the score. Which is, that is why a... the music felt like it was straight out of the original show, because it is. <laughs> Just with a little um, reorchestration done since they didn't get the seatbelts back. The music was only one big layer of this beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, is the vibe of this teaser going to be the vibe of the whole show, do you think? Now, when I say vibe, I mean the, like... Not necessarily the goofy, like, pulling in and out of frame. That was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not expecting that for the whole show. But more a case of how the characters interacted with each other. Most notably, Faye. She turned and did a sort of, like, bickering to the others about the trailer thing. Like, two or three times. And after time one, it started to get a little old. It felt too, like, too... Deadpool-y, sitcom-y, tongue-in-cheek parody. Yeah, there's been a lot of people that point out that... It's not that Daniel Panita is, like, bad as Faye, but compared to Jon and Mustafa Shakir, she doesn't have the same energy as them. Agreed. And it's not a case of that she doesn't pull good energy out for this, but it's the wrong energy. It doesn't match what the other two are giving. It doesn't match what we're expecting from the rest of the show what we want to see. Like, I don't know if anybody watched that and particularly went, wow, that was my favorite part of the trailer. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I know that you're a big fan of Marvel's Woot Cage. So what did you think of Mustafa Shakira's Jet Black? I liked him. Uh, I'm glad that they made him, like, they, they brought him into this new world and they gave him this sort of like grizzled look that wasn't there. If I remember correctly, because I'm not looking at a picture right now, but I think he has hair, which added something. Uh, in comparison to old guy whose name I totally forgot, but he's animated. It's totally gone. But I liked him. He brought a comedy to it that I was not expect. Him and Spike, stars of the thing. Like I said, Faye... Eh, a little underhanded, but he he does most of the footwork for the jokes. He's doing a lot of the setup with Spike doing all the punchlines, which fits. It works. I like it. Uh, yeah. Well, the comment you said that Jet Black had hair in this. He doesn't. <laughs> oh, he doesn't. The, no, he's bald in the show. The actor has hair, so you might be complaining it with his. With how he looked in uh, either yeah, I'm probably just imagining him in something like, else and stuff. Googling so, no, the actor did shave his head for. The oh, movie. he is bald as an egg. And yeah, and he even has like the the actual like jet black style beard too. 
which is pretty so crazy. while i'm on him another thing i noticed i'm looking at a picture of all of them now all three of them those are just motorcycle knee guards they didn't even like 3d print them or like custom make it or try to design it or like hide it in any way you can buy those on amazon for like 60 bucks mm-hmm. man whatever the rest of it looks i mean it makes good. it easier for people wanting to cosplay as them <laughs> Oh, yeah. Big and it's not like his knee guards in the anime were overly detailed or stylized anyways. Well, detailed or stylized, no, not important. But he had, like, I don't know. There was a charm to it. There was a science charm to it. But this segues into my next point. This feels like, like for lack of a better thing to compare it to, Kung Fury a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that, too? I was getting more Speed Racer vibes than Kung Fury. Speed Racer, like the movie? Like the movie Speed Racer from the Witch House. Interesting. Yeah. See, with the whole like VHS theme that it had, uh, automatically I'm like, oh, wow, that's just like, that's just like Kung Fury. But then with the like, kind of the humor too, I thought, Mm -hmm. and there was something, there was this whole sort of like 90s, 80s, 90s feel to it. Yeah. Which I don't know. It feels if different it, from the show, but it, it works, which is, I think, the it best It works, thing yeah. Is that, and I think what they're really going for with it is they're not trying to make it a replacement for the anime. They're trying to give it its own feel and atmosphere as kind of like you can go into it getting a lot of the similar story beats, but it still will feel like a different show. Well, that's what I was going to say is that this whole thing, well. this whole thing is great. But it's not screaming Cowboy Bebop. But that's not a bad thing. Because it's not Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it's like it is Cowboy Bebop, but it isn't. But it it isn't. a really smart decision. But it is, but it isn't. So this will be interesting. Uh, I wonder if they'll try doing it on other franchises next. Let's see how popular this gets first. Yeah. I don't know about, like, live action anime adaptations i know that when it comes to like a- actual anime stuff i know that um powerhouse has been wanting to adapt berserk for a while so there's always that Could possibility be but live action I don't know about live adventure action. who are yeah. you casting as dio brando if they did the live action jojo's um, yeah who are you casting as dio brando you get the authoritative vote on this who do you pick Oh, that's so hard because it needs to be, it needs to be someone that's physically imposing that's also really charismatic, and, and that's British. Oh, the British is important to you. Yeah, the British is important. Um, I'm trying to think of someone that actually like has the right physicality because that's a difficult thing. Is they have to be so physically if, big? If this. Stops the podcast dead. I can I can unask the question. No, 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 it's fine. Um, like my initial thing is I'm like thinking of someone that that's like that's Andy Circus like. Andy Circus like bigger, but also bigger. Why not just put Andy Circus on like steroids? <laughs> yeah, just use Andy Circus. I mean, Andy Circus could be good as Dio. He has the charisma for it. Exactly. Uh, he can he he can get physical physical he can he has like the physicality to it as we've seen more like again like we talked about him as alfred from the batman he can look the part yeah i was just about to say let's let's imagine alfred as dio yeah that could work okay that could actually work 
an interesting answer. Who would you? I pick would say if you had the Castillo, John Cena in a wig. Now hold no, on. I feel that'd be terrible. Now hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. John Jonathan is also John Cena in a wig. Okay, but only for part one. Okay, for all other parts, everyone else is played by actors, but only for part one, they're the same body. So then, by part three, when it's Dio's head on Jonathan's body. It's just it's just John Cena. It can just be him at that point. It wouldn't be surprising or weird. Now yeah, that I think I about think it, why you get away with I think that you would be able to get away if they did a live action JoJo's. You'd probably be able to get away with uh, not <laughs> like not <laughs> changing the physicality of the actor for Dio. I'm still with John Cena. I don't know. I think Plus, John Cena also should be that. Actually, he was built in the original season of JoJo's anyway. It's not like he looked that much physically different with Jonathan's body. I thought about this a little harder. I retract my answer because I want to save John Cena for John Pierre Polnareff. They have the same <laughs> face, but no, I can't. No, because we need Polnareff to be French. John Cena can pretend to be French. <laughs> my name is his name. His name would be Jean Cena. Jean Cena. There we go. Oh my god. So any other thoughts on Cowboy Bebop? What else you got? Um, I know we also got our first look at Vicious in this as well. Ooh. Or I guess or not first we, one, barely. he was in the opening too. But we got one small scene of Vicious in here. Where so. he's obstructed with shadow yeah. and some dope red lighting. I know that Alex Hassel is the one playing him. I don't know who that actor is. Well, it could be good. I don't even know who that is either. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm. I definitely wasn't excited for this before this teaser came out, and this definitely changed, opened my mind a little bit. It is extremely stylized. I really like the tone. I like how the actors play off of each other, but there definitely is a part of me that thinks that Faye is just a little off. We still don't. We still haven't gotten anything with with um, Ed. And I know that we are getting Ed in the first season. They have confirmed this. But they're just kind of keeping it a secret of what um, he's going to look like in the show. Or they. They're waiting. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this. I wasn't excited before. I am excited now. Yeah. The series is, of course, hitting Netflix on November 19th. But if you can't wait for it to go on Netflix, I know the anime is going up on Netflix by the end of this month. So oh, really? if you can't wait for the live-action Cowboy Bebop, you can watch the anime in the meantime. Well, that is fantastic news. Yeah. With that said, I don't know if it will have the dub or not. So it may just be the Japanese. They have not said any specific confirmation about whether it's going to be one or the other. I feel um, like you kind of have to have Steve Bloom's it. vocals for Cowboy Bebop. Like, the dub is amazing, but it's just that Netflix is notorious for not always getting both when it comes to stuff going up on their service, especially if the rights for the dub are owned by a specific company. Like, Sony is the one that currently ha- holds the rights to the dub for Cowboy Bebop. Man, I'm hoping you need Steve Bloom for that. Yeah. That is, like, iconic to yeah. this day. 
Cowboy Bebop, he was, he, after Cowboy Bebop, he became a voice of Toonami for like 20 years. Yeah. Because of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. And the, I think the biggest thing that's wild about him becoming so well known for Cowboy Bebop is he did that as kind of like a side thing just for like a small, ma- just for more money. Because he was working as a, he was trying to work as a theatrical actor at the time and like live action TV and film. I remember the so dark he era. never once expected something like Cowboy Bebop to be what would launch his career. And he also it wasn't did. paid very much for it either. <laughs> Compared to some of the stuff that he does now. Like start like um from there he became like the voice of Wolverine. He's Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. He's done all kinds of other stuff. He was a mon in Legend of Korra. He does a lot for um DC games. Mm-hmm. Like he's been in in three Lego Batman games. Really? Yeah. Uh, in Lego Batman two, he was like six or seven characters, including but not limited to like Bane and the Penguin. Interesting. He also voiced in the in the original Lego Batman with the mumbles. He was the voice of both Batman and Joker. No way. Yeah. No way. He went he was going he under did. The, he was going oh my under God, the he did. for David Lucas at the time. <laughs> so that is so funny. Oh, he also did Killer Moth, Two Face, and Killer Croc. Yeah. Wow, he did like all of my favorites. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. But um, uh, moving away from Cowboy Bebop, we also had, I guess, in more like kind of bummerish news, we had delays in various Marvel films and projects going forward into the next couple years um, that were announced this past week. Um, everything limited to like Doctor Strange to even like non unknown upcoming releases are getting hit by this. Um, with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness moving to May 6th from March 25th of 2022. Um, Thor Love and Thunder moving to July 8th from May 6th of 2022. So it's like everything's moving back like a day. So like Black Panther took November 11th. um, And then the Marvels moved to February 17th, 2023. And then Ant-Man the Wasp is going to be July 28th, 2023. So it's like they moved one date and it like cascaded. Because it's uh, everything's connected, baby MCU. Yeah, and it's because I think the other reason they were so okay with like moving dates because that's like the, the Kevin Feige said this in the interview. The biggest reason they moved dates is because a they wanted more time to work on the films, like more production time, but they also knew that they had a bunch of dates already locked in, so it wasn't that big of an issue to just move stuff around. It's an issue for me. I gotta wait. I wanted to know what happened in Multiverse of Madness. That could feasibly be like an MCU altering event. Yeah. Honestly, I think that with the rate that we're getting Marvel shows and movies, I don't mind there being just a small break in films because we're going to have TV shows in between this too. Like we're going to have Miss Marvel and Moon Knight by the time Multiverse of Madness hits theaters. Dang. So... What I'm really upset about is Thor 4. You have no idea how I'm excited how excited I am for Thor 4. Is it because of Christian Bale playing Gord the God Butcher? 
It's one of the reasons, maybe. Love and Thunder, the title of this. I mean, I'm like, with Taika Waititi helming again, oh my goodness. And he's going to have to undo all the work. He did so much work in Ragnarok just for it to be undone in Infinity War immediately afterwards. They gave him his eyeball back. They gave him a new hammer. Like, all that all that work gone. But, but, Ike has got the movie back, and he's in charge now. Yeah. What are we looking at? No clue. We have seen one set photo, though, where Thor's wearing what appears to be, like, a sleeveless biker vest. Yeah, and he looks more like uh, pre-Ragnarok Thor, where he has the long hair again still. Very excited. He also looks beefy again. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I personally would not have much uh, bro Thor staying around for a little while longer. I don't know. We might see a bit of him in Thor Love and Thunder. I know the one movie that wasn't affected by this was Guardians Volume 3. Ooh, what's that? So that's good. Um, I don't remember what the release date is for that off the top of my head. Let me look it up. But I know that Gunn is still busy working on the script for it. It hasn't started production yet. So is, is Gunn working on anything for the Peacemaker show that's coming Peacemaker, out soon? No. Um, no. Uh, Peacemaker's currently in post-production. So it's, but did he, did he work on it or was that someone else? He, no, he, he wrote every single episode and he directed a few of them. Okay. Okay. Hope for Peacemaker then. Yeah. That's probably what I should have about earlier. Yeah. Cause he posted um, his storyboards for Peacemaker or not like, he didn't show like images of them, but he posted like the pile of them of how all the okay. storyboards that he drew out for his episodes of Peacemaker. Man, I'm excited for all this. Cause, yeah, because James, I think it was last week or the week before, James Gunn um, posted on Twitter or Instagram or whatever um, the stack of storyboards for just like the first couple scenes of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And it was Man, like I'm a giant pile. <laughs> it was like 50 or 60 some odd storyboards. And he says that he does like um, 16 per, per like scene. Which is wild. Even, even though Thor 3 is basically going to be like Guardians 2.5, I'm still excited to see the Guardians get their own movie because it could also technically be Thor 4.5. Yes. Well, uh, the, the, my knowledge, the Guardians aren't going to be in Thor Love and Thunder that much. Um, I believe they're going to be in it as much as Doctor Strange was in Ragnarok. Oh, he was barely in that thing. Yeah. He had his yellow gloves too. I hope, I hope, I hope one day they come back. I imagine that they might bring them back for Multiverse of Madness. Remember that Sam Raimi is directing it, and he's a huge Doctor Remember, Strange. I didn't even know that. Oh. You didn't know Sam Raimi was doing Multiverse was of Madness? Was doing the Doctor Strange movie? Oh, yeah. my God. My hype for that movie has just increased, like, thousandfold. Yeah, yeah. Sam Raimi um, re is replacing uh, Scott Derrickson oh, yeah. for Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling so big. <laughs> I'm surprised so you didn't know us, that. You're like I did not know that. Boy. I love Raimi. I love his movies. I love him. He looks so funny. His movies are funny. I am excited to see him take Doctor Strange and Raimi him up. So the Marvel announcements we got were just for movies. Are they postponing things like Loki season two? No, the uh, shows are all 
the my knowledge, the shows are all fine. There was some worry Ooh. about them getting delayed due to the the TV act, um, like uh, screenwriters and actors strike that was um, going to happen. I think this past weekend, but they were luckily. It seemed like they were able to find a compromise, so no, no um, productions got delayed. Good, because I don't want to have to wait any longer than I already have to for Armor Wars. Yes, that's the that's the War Machine series, right? Oh, yes, it is. And since he was mentioned by name in the Black Widow movie, since I finally watched that thing. Yeah, I no, watched I that last week for the first time, too. It was it was okay. It was, it was, it was, it was mad. Uh, I like since he was Harper. mentioned, <laughs> I did like him, which ironically, he is what he's he brought it. He brought us to where I'm about to say Crimson Dynamo. Is it time? Is it finally time for my boy Crimson Dynamo to show up? I don't know. See, Crimson Dynamo is weird because he better because here's the hard thing about Crimson Dynamo. They used him as the basis for Whiplash for Iron Man too. Ooh, because they combined Whiplash and and Crimson Dynamo together to make that go on. Okay, but that was a combination. That wasn't the Crimson Dynamo that we could hopefully, hopefully, hopefully see in Armor Wars. Because we still have a lot more like other good Iron Man War Machine villains. We yeah, could possibly if save. they do do Crimson Dynamo, it'll have to not be the the Anton Vonko or Ivan Vonko versions, which are the most know. notorious ones. I know. There's luckily a bunch of other ones, but those are like the two that are most well known for being like Crimson Dynamo. Hey man, I just want a goofy Russian Iron Man. That's all I'm looking for. Even though he's not strictly Iron Man, I want a goofy Russian Iron Man, baby. In my War Machine show, yeah. I love War Machine. I mean, it is, to be fair, it's the positives of there being like six different versions of the character. And I'm pretty sure the one that, if they do bring in a, a Crimson Dynamo, like the one they referenced in Black Widow, if there was one that like worked with Red Guardian, it's probably the Valentin Shatilov, um version, who was Crimson Dynamo during... Um, who, um, during Stalinism, during Stalin's time uh, mm-hmm. in the Soviet Union. So, and they wanted to well, go the route of a character that lives, like, that has been hit by a serum and lives forever that's also Crimson Dynamo. That would be the route to go. Could be. Whatever the case, I'm, I am holding out hope for my boy Crimson Dynamo in Armor Wars that is thankfully not delayed. All I want is Titanium Man. I want Titanium Man more than Crimson Dynamo. Now, that might be just because his arbor is green. Well, that's, that's you. Cool. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, man, Titanium Man is cool. Titanium Man is cool, but not as cool as Star Wars, which I have been waiting to talk about. Oh, boy. Oh, you want to talk about Star Wars Visions? <laughs> Let's talk about Star Wars Visions, baby. <laughs> I mean... Um, we watched episodes six and seven of Star Wars Visions. Of course, if you want to hear any of our other thoughts, or I guess specifically my thoughts on Star Wars Visions, we've been talking about Star Wars Visions every week of the month of October. And this week, we're talking about T.O.B. 1 and The Elder. And of course, we'll have to talk about T.O.B. 1 first. And that is Astro Boy, but Star Wars. Beautiful. Be beautiful. I had... I don't know what I expected, but that was not it. None of that was it. And it was a pleasant, it was a pleasant surprise. 
Don't get me wrong. Very pleasant. Uh, TLB one is actually in my top three. See, it's funny. The last time I was on here talking about Star Wars, we were talking about the duel. Was uh, that which, was sad, it? which we sadly lost the recording of. Big sad. Which we sadly lost the recording of. Uh, and now I'm here talking about my other two favorites, TLB one and the Elder. TLB one was amazing. I cried a lot watching TLB one, like a lot. It oh my my the first time I died was when he was pretending to be a Jedi. He has that whole little thing because I did that. Everyone everyone did that. Everyone was pretending to be a Jedi, and he he's just a little droid in space on a planet. It was so precious. I just I just oh I couldn't handle it. And then he has to go on his quest and he goes across the planet looking for them. I called there was I called that there was that Kyber crystal in him. That I predicted. As soon as um armless samurai who looked exactly like the guy from Mega Man, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as he was like, there's a Kyber crystal on the planet, I finished the sentence. I said it's inside of TOB one. That did not change the fact that I was still surprised when he whipped it out at the end. That was awesome. Well, not even not the end, but close to the end when that battle happens. Yes, against the Inquisitor. Yes. Oh, that battle was so cool. That was awesome. And there I cried. Okay, so the cry counter. I cried when uh, his master had to die, when he had to like hide him in the thing. So that was cry number two. Cry number three was when it started raining and then the green happened and uh he was like i did it cry number two or that's cry number three i think cry number four followed immediately afterwards when he got his kyber crystal out got the lightsaber cry number five happened during that fight that very same so pretty much for the last five to six minutes of the short i just cried nonstop. it was really good it was so it was just a touching story and to top and to top it all off to really hit that point home Beautiful animation. Who did this? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I know that Abel Gondora was the director for it, and he's been on all kinds of stuff. He did a few episodes of OKKO OK for Cartoon Network. Ooh! He's also been an animator on Devilman Crybaby and Keep Your Hands Off Isaac, and where he worked on the opening sequence. Ooh. Well, that's uh, actually a pretty good portfolio. Yeah. He's done quite a bit of stuff. He's I think he's the only non-Japanese director that like helmed any of these because he's Spanish, which he's is really Spanish. wild. That is very yeah. surprising. And Science Saru was the studio that worked on this. Well, what studio? Uh, I don't really know. They've, they've done a bunch of stuff for like American productions like they did. They've worked on um, Adventure Time. They've worked on Woo Over the Wall. Um, and they again, they worked on OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes, which is why he was able to direct some episodes of that. See, it's funny you mentioned that. I love OKKO. OK it was it's, really good. It was cut down too quick. Yeah, but it was that's great. That's not the one with Aaron Hansen in it. That's Mighty Magic Swords, right? That's Mighty Mag. That's okay, Mighty Magic Swords. <laughs> that's what I was Hansen. thinking. Of. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> OKKO OK was. Uh, he had a little red headband. It was great. It right, was great. It had like Lord Bach. I've seen images of it, but I've never watched it. 
<laughs> oh, I almost finished it. I think I only have like three or four episodes on watch. That was one of the first shows that uh, me and my partner started watching together. And it's just a really fun show with really good animation. Mm-hmm. In the t- It's okay, KO, let's be heroes. The main guy, KO, totally getting sidetracked here. I'm plugging it. It was great. It got canceled way too soon. Spark interest in it again. But the whole show was just like fights between different hero power. Did you, you never watched it, you said, right? No, I've never seen it. I know what the okay. characters look like. Um, I know what the logo looks like, but I've never watched it. I don't even know. Who so they is. live in a sort of Justice League-esque world where there's like a heroic team that right. everyone is fans of and has like merchandise of and trading cards. But that's everybody on the planet. Everybody on the planet is some kind of hero or has some kind of gimmick or costume or whatever, and therefore has a trading card with like a power level. Gotcha. Uh, like Dragon kid, Ball. Like Dragon Ball, yeah. But like everybody can be like, oh, his power level is seven. It says so on his trading card. KO, main guy, he is not a hero yet because he's just a little boy. He, he said uh, in one episode, he says, I'm not, they say, uh, you look like a grown man. And he says, I'm not a grown man. I'm ages six to 11. And <laughs> <laughs> the whole show is just full of like bits like that, totally unrelated to all we're talking to. But where I'm going with this is with a premise where everyone has some sort of superhero gimmick or power, every episode revolves around fighting. Like, oh, this guy came to the bodega where we work and he's got fire hands. I know this guy who works in the bodega who has ice hands. So I'm going to have them meet up and fight. Mm -hmm. And then KO will do this. So where every episode is about fight, knowing that the guy who did that also now did the coolest fight, TOB1, cool as heck. Not a big fan of his finishing move where he gets the body armor. Could he do that the whole time? Classic, uh, insert obligatory. Could he do that the whole time? Just get his little robot to turn into like a Gundam suit and then fly. Yeah, he just at... combines with the other robot, with the other yeah. droids and becomes like a super droid. Yeah. yeah. I know, I thought Why were me. you waiting for that? I would because, start with that. Because you got to combine in the climax. That's what Gurren Lagan taught us. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Gurren Lagan taught us a lot. Yeah, but no, and like I mentioned that um, the guy works on the opening for Isaacin. The writer for this episode did the entire script for Isaacin, which is incredible. That's like, that's so good. Um, he also did a bunch of episodes for Fruits Basket. Um, he was the series compositor and did the script for Dr. Stone, which is also wild. <laughs> so Yuchiro um, Kido, who's the writer for this episode has been all over the place he's on his hands all kinds of good stuff well he wrote a great story this is just a great episode i'm doing a bad job of like selling it but this this really it's, is it's like, astro boy but with a droid that's where we all this is all people it's a it's astro boy but star wars with mega man and he's a droid boy that can use the force that wants to be a Jedi. That's like the. I said that it was a Star Wars Pinocchio. He wanted to be a real boy. He wanted to be a real Jedi. But instead of, and in the end, he got to be a Jedi, but he Skywalker style lost an arm doing so. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, no pain, no gain. Yeah. To uh, be fair, the be fair, Astro Boy was inspired by Pinocchio. So yes, truth. Uh, this and the duel, like I said, two of my favorite episodes. Uh, this and the duel are the two episodes that I think most understood the concept that they were given to make an Eastern inspired Star Wars or like an anime Star Wars where the duel went more heavy handed into this is a Star Wars world, but is more Eastern themed. This was like, this is an Eastern animation roots of animation, Astro Boy style, like Star Wars story. This is all purely, this is pure, original, unfiltered, untampered, isotope number one anime. And it was great. It was amazing. It felt like footloose and fancy free when it wasn't he dies or could die. It felt like the stakes, the climax, everything building up was sort of like a spiritual victory, more so than beating the god. More than beating the Inquisitor, he met his master through the Force, and his master crowned him, knighted him a Jedi. This was a huge, a huge, like, oh, it was just so good. Yep. And, of course, T.O.B. You saw this in Japanese, right? I did. I watched all of Visions in Japanese. I don't think I've watched so, any of them in English. So what is wild about this be- in Japanese is the, in this voice voice cast. Of, the voice of Goku is the voice of T.O.B. one. Stop it. Stop it. You're lying. No. I am completely serious. Uh, they got... Uh, Masako Nozawa, who is most, again, most famous for voicing Son Goku in all of Dragon Ball, the voice to me, Goku. Yes, the Goku. What an interesting choice. I mean, it was the right choice. I mean, I can't think of a better voice for the character that we were presented with. To be fair, though, uh, I was influenced by the fact that they did pick a voice already and I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. But Wow. Uh, okay. I wonder if that was their first choice or not. Knowing Disney, probably. They may huh. have a big budget and the voice cast, again, like as we talked, as I talked about with you when we we in, we in this we recorded the Lost episode where we talked the about Lost the Lost episode. Uh, um, like the, the both voice casts in English and Japanese are really stacked. They put a lot of money in the both. Well, I guess they didn't mean to have a Goku. Very interesting. But so who el- of, who else is in this thing? Um, we also have. Let me get. Let me get like the full cast list up here. Yeah, that's the big one that I knew. Um, who else stacks this up? When it comes to the Japanese cast, they had um, Sutsome um, Isobe, who is another again really big Japanese voice actor who is most well known for like being the definitive dub voice for um, Mel Gibson and Harrison Ford characters. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. Um, and he specifically was the voice of Vincent in Cowboy Bebop and the voice of George Joestar in the original terrible <laughs> Phantom Blood movie. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a piece of JoJo's media that I don't think I'll ever actually get to see. 
it's not good. <laughs> I, I like Phantom Blood is already like not amazing. It's fine. I've seen the uh, the Stardust right. Crusaders anime, the old one. The OG, I have it on the DVD. Crusaders OVA is fun. Did you watch? I it have it on DVD. Though is the question because the dub is hilarious. The dub is hilarious. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> oh, like no. did all the people that complain about like the dub for the David Production Stardust Crusaders listen no. to the OVA and then complain. Iggy. <laughs> Except like I have issues with the the dub for the the modern Stardust Crusaders, but like it doesn't compare to the dub for the OVA. (laughs) The Polar F and the OVA though busted his hump. They got I'm cutting him some slack. They got Kakyoin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, I love I love Polar F so much. Uh, What else you got to say about TOB1? did the score for this because the music for all of these has been consistently really good like i mean like there you have things like the village bride that felt very like unique and then feel like anything we got in stars before was like really coral um yeah it felt like something out of near like i mentioned when we covered village bride um the ninth jedi felt like it was from felt like it was mimicking some of the beats of the sequel trilogy with its main theme sounding very heavily like rays um, yes, I noticed that. The duel kind of leaned more in the Eastern Samurai type um, film scores with a little bit of the the Emphis Nest theme from Solo thrown in there. So the and with this, I noticed that it was a little more I don't want to say like childish, but it felt like a score that matched like a like a kid's animated series. For TOB1? Yeah. And I think like, that it felt in its favor. Younger. And that was, that's too like its advantage because it fit the character really well. Yeah, that played in its favor. But no, I, this... I, it gave it like this really younger, like more joyous tone in the beginning, which I think also did a good job of then like throwing you off when the episode gets more serious. Like when his, his father figure, quote unquote, dies. That um, was so sad. Yeah. And, like, the score immediately changes. And I think that's actually probably the reason why they got more than one composer to helm this. Because it's very obvious that they needed to hit different beats with the score. Do you be one? I cried. I laughed. My heart pounded. Yeah, so I couldn't find anything on uh, Keitro Shibuya. Um, from, to my knowledge, he hasn't done a whole lot of um, composing before this. But Ah who is the other composer that worked on this, was a composer for Lucky Star. Oh, which is pretty wild. And he also did some stuff for over in the high school host club. So he's been around a bit. I don't really have much to say about either of those sports because I don't know too much about them. <laughs> but, uh, I know a lot about over on high school host club, the show, yeah. but I'm blanking on the score. Right. I can remember nothing about it. Yeah. I just don't remember anything else to that about, it. but the score for this was really good. <laughs> oh, the score for this is great. So, but no, any, any final thoughts on TOB one before we move on to the elder? Uh, out of 10, I'm going to give TOB1 uh, an 11 for being not just great, but memorable. This is something that one day I plan on showing, like, future new young Star Wars fans, if I ever get the chance. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. While it's not one of my favorites, I really liked the storytelling. Again, the animation was fantastic, as you mentioned. 
Um, the visual style was really good. I love, again, I'm a huge Astro Boy fan. So this was like right up my alley. Um, but when it came to like ideas and stuff or what I was looking for with Star Wars Visions, it didn't quite get there for me, which is fine. Cause I still yeah. liked it. I still enjoyed it. It was still good. But like, it's not, like, it's very clear. If anyone's been listening to the podcast, it's very clear what my favorites have been so far. I really love The Village Bride and I really love um, the Ninth Jedi, and I really like Wapanocha, which we'll be talking about next week for a final episode on Star Wars Visions. But before that, we also t- watched The Elder this week, and that is, of course, the second of the two shorts that Studio Trigger did. That was awesome. That was just awesome. I mean, I I I loved it. I I believe we got some kind of confirmation as to like the time frame of this, and it was like Republic era around the prequels ish, if I remember correctly. Correct me if I stop me if I'm wrong. I think that's right. Again, it's hard to say with Star Wars Visions because again, none of them are canon, and you can really only tell when it's something takes place based off of the ideas they use and the technology and the world building stuff, but it does seem like this is pre like the Phantom Menace. Yeah. This is pre or around the Phantom Menace. Yeah, it could some, be, it could be like the high Republic or, or something around there. Some context clue, but I don't remember what, but it was still fairly recent in star Wars, which makes this old guy seem way more ancient, which is way cooler. This guy is like old, 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 old Republic. Mm-hmm. This was awesome. This is a actually a, a concept for character that I've had in my favorites tab for a while, and my favorites been in my head is old man that is super magical or powerful in some way because he's had like a lifetime to master his skills. Right. But this guy was freaky. Yeah. No. I again, like I was really excited for this because like I love like Master Padwans, and I really like the idea of two Jedi getting sent to fight. Um, like a dark side force user. I think that's a really neat uh, concept. And when these were initially announced, I was a little worried that it would be too similar to the duel. But luckily that isn't the case because of the different twists that both of these have in their writing. And a new and new characters. These guys were definitely Jedi this time instead of the duel. <gasps> Big twist was that he was not a Jedi. Big yes. twist here was that this guy could, this guy had hands. Yeah. This guy had serious hands. Oh my god. That Padawan, it's a miracle he lived. The only I mean, he let him live, sure, but even still, holy moly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the one thing that this episode does really, really well is this the, the small world building of the, the planet that they're on. Because we get to see like the react the kids' reactions to seeing Jedi for the first time. Um, and also the way that the, the villagers feel about. Um, a Jedi presence and even the, the way that they talk about the elder that has come to their planet. An unknown um, tribe. Yeah. Spooky. It makes it seem like it makes it sound like um, kind of like invaders have or like a, a outside group has like wandered into this village and caused them distress. And he did. He killed one of their animals. Yes. And it's a very, like, again, it's a very classic Western samurai type storyline. Oh, we have, yeah. like, the, the samurai come into the village. They've been told that um, the village has been under attack and needs help. 
it's uh, it, it's a very similar story. It, it's very like western esque too, which I really like. Oh yeah, especially with the final like showdown at high noon with their lightsabers. Really cool showdown too. Really cool way he uh, he uh, got rid of the old guy. That was neat. That was super neat. Uh, old guy. Wow. He is there a chance that we could see? I because I know you said that uh, Ronan and the duel is getting a comic. Yes. We're not going to see this old guy again, are we? Well, I have no idea. The answer Barnacles. is we don't know. <laughs> Barnacles. Uh, because my guess is that if they are thinking about doing a second season, I think I'd be very surprised if they don't at this point, considering how successful the show has seemingly been. But it's uncertain if we're going to get a follow-up for any of these. I know last week I talked about the, the possibility of the Night Jedi getting more content because of the director and writers coming on saying that they have ideas for continued stories. When it comes to the elder, I have not heard some more things. Um, it's very likely that this was a one and done, but that Article. doesn't mean that we couldn't see more in the future. See, cause I'd like to hear more about his story. Cause he, he, he said he left the Sith due to like a difference in ideals. Something he said that sounded freaky. Because this guy was a force to be reckoned with. Force, ha, da 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 But if he quit, what were the other guys like? I think know? that it seems like the biggest reason why he like quit the Sith is probably a difference in ideology. Because the way that he comes off in this episode is more of a serene guy that might have like, en- like enjoyed or was okay with taking what he needed the survive from other people but he was fine with living on his own away from people it didn't feel like he was one of those Sith that wanted attachment or like thirsted for power he kind of just existed until the jedi came around the they kind of put a stop to his existence i just was so amazed with all this. I expected something scary, but I didn't expect him to be like a master duelist. Uh, I'm loving... Star Wars Visions had a lot of focus on lightsabers. Did you notice that? Yes. They definitely focused very heavily on lightsabers and the Force specifically as well. the Force specifically. Which, interesting. Interesting. Uh, But this lightsaber episode, cool new lightsabers. His Katana lightsabers were freaky his like ancient like not unstable like kylo ren but these things felt like rusty kind of like old but they were they were instruments of destruction absolutely um i know i mentioned the the master and padlon relationship a little bit earlier but what did you think of the jedi in this episode see i liked these guys uh i remember the biggest thing i was watching this with a friend and the first thing they actually said uh, was that the Jedi Master was hot, quote unquote? Uh, don't know if I re- agreed with it, but I could see it. Uh, the Padawan, I really liked him. He was funny. He had he had for a character when you have a character that's there for one episode, uh, getting them some personality, some some character of their own can be a little tricky. But I got a lot off of this guy a lot more than most prequel characters, and they had three movies. To get their character through through my skulls, but I liked these guys. I liked the the master 
seemingly like defeating the guy because he was some kind of super Jedi master. That was cool. The mm. Sith guy himself, not Sith, the not Sith guy was like, I felt something way stronger and it was you. Cool. Cool. I wonder what his deal was then. Yeah, I think that and, the, the theme that this episode seemed to be going for was the strength based off of age. Because the biggest reason the Padawan lost so quickly was because he was inexperienced, right? Yes, he young. was a young man. He was, he was rash. He ran in first without thinking. Um, he underestimated his opponent because of his age, stuff like that. Now, And the reason the elder, that the Sith Lord lost is because he was too yeah. old. Yes, he was, while he had a lot of knowledge and a lot of power, he wasn't as spry as Master Dan. So he lost. He was past his prime. Yes. Master Dan, his name was. Dan was in his prime, like super prime. He got that guy with a move that I have never seen in Star Wars before, but have been dreaming of forever. That was awesome. Yeah, with like the the soft close with like lightsaber hit. We did get that in, um, I think that, uh, I mean, like they've been pulling from Star Wars like all over the place for these, but I'm pretty sure for that specific shot, if they're pulling anywhere in Star Wars for that, we did get something like that in The Last Jedi. Oh, did we? Yeah, oh. remember the when Ray threw um, the lightsaber, lightsaber at, ben, at Kylo right? and he yeah, caught it and okay, immediately yeah. killed the Praetorian Guard by like just immediately igniting it in his face. Okay, I do remember for this but still not as cool it's not the same i think it's it's not that it isn't as cool it's a different coolness okay fair that's what i would argue uh so who's the voice cast for this so the japanese voice cast we had yuichi nakamura as master dan and he's been in all kinds of stuff um ranging from black lagoon the big wind-up to um Mobile Suit Gundam, he was the voice of Graham in Double O. Ooh. He was the voice of Tomoya in Clanad. Um, he's the voice of Gray in Fairy Tale, which is pretty wild. <laughs> um, so this guy's really, done a lot. Yeah, he's been voice acting for a while. Um, let me see what his most recent stuff was. Uh, most recently, he was the voice of Satoru Gojo in Jujutsu Kaisen. Otherwise known as everyone's favorite character. <laughs> so who else was in this? Um, we also had Takaya Hashi as the apprentice. And let me look up his BTVA real quick because I don't like his Wikipedia article. Oh my god. He was the voice of the king in commands. That's pretty wild. Uh, he was the he-, <laughs> he was the head of the of the lion mob in B Star in the first season. <laughs> This is pretty cool. Who and else? Then, is like, compared this? to like the English voice cast, we'll do the English voice cast for the two main. Yeah, characters. yeah. The English voice cast for the master. Actually, I had the. I think I had the names mixed up. The master's name is Tajin or Tahin, and the apprentice's name is Dan. My bad. Other way around. Uh, the master's voice actor in English was David Harbor. No. Yes. No way. Now I have to rewatch this in English. And The Apprentice was voiced by Jordan Fisher. Who's, who's that? What else has he been in? There's been a few Disney things. But he's never done like anything um, voiceover-wise from what it seems. Or he's not anything super substantial. 
He most recently appeared in The Flash as um, Bart Allen. Um, oh. But animation-wise, the only thing I think I'm seeing is he voiced Seahawk and she were on The Princesses of Power. The pirate guy. Or not the pirate guy, but the guy with the boat. That was like very theatrical and annoying. <laughs> um, but otherwise, he's only done a few like live action stuff. Like he was in Teen Wolf. He was in um, a bunch. Of, he was in like Teen Beach movie. Oh my god! He was in an episode of iCarly. Oh my god! What episode of iCarly? Uh, I Speed Date. I'm guessing it was probably one of the many the many suitors. Was, was trying to interview for i think for like the dance thing right i think it was homecoming or whatever if i remember watched i carly if i remember that episode correctly that's the one where spencer meets chumba wumba from space wars in the uh the smoothie store Uh, if i remember it correctly i might be mixing them up though i don't know it's been years since i've seen i (laughs) carly but but no, and then um, the old man, they actually got um, a Japanese-American voice actor to voice the elder for this episode. Ooh. They had James Hong. Ooh, so they and that's for got, the English. Yeah, for the English dub, yeah. Okay. Um, he's been uh... doing a bunch of, like, American media and stuff. Um, so oh, his filmography is huge. He's done a bunch of um, South Korean, Chinese, um, and Japanese films. Oh. and stuff which is really cool he was um and american film wise he's been in things like airplane and a few others but uh, more recently um voice acting wise he's been in batman soul of the dragon that movie he was in troll hunters and he was and he's the voice of mr ping in kung fu panda <laughs> well I'm glad you saved that one for last. That was the perfect cap. Now I know exactly what <laughs> the English voice is going to sound like. <laughs> so who's the Japanese? Who's the Japanese voice of the elder? For the Japanese, let me get the let me get this right. <sighs> Having to actually like scroll through the episode to get for get to the cast list is a pain. Actually, you know what? Let me just pull up Star's Visions on VTA real quick. That'll be easier. There we go. All right. And we want the Japanese voice cast. Uh, the Japanese voice actor for The Elder was Kenichi Ogata, um, or Ogata. Probably it's probably Ogata, um, who is most well known for voicing Professor Oak in Pokemon for Japan. Oh, wow. He's also the voice of Grand Torino in My Hero Academia, who is the character inspired by Yoda. He's also the voice of King Dedede. In everything and everything oh wow yeah um when it comes to um japanese dub things that he's dubbed over he's the japanese voice of animal for the muppets (laughs) that's a that's actually a it's actually surprising i did not expect to hear that they picked the japanese animal from the muppets to do the elder for this one yeah and you're a sergeant frog fan right I, that was actually my first real anime. Yeah, he was the voice of Sergeant Frog's dad. Sergeant Frog's dad. <laughs> oh my god! And he's also the voice of Aku Aku for Crash Bandicoot. 
Oh, that is a blast from the past. Sergeant Frog's dad. You just maybe like vividly yeah. remember a decade ago. Oh but no, and this is another one of those white VAs that's been very famous. He's been doing stuff for years. So and we haven't mentioned the music for The Elder yet. Oh, let's go with the music. I'm so yeah, sorry. The score is so, again, like kind of like with the duel. And the, the score for The Elder is very Eastern sounding. Again, kind of fits the, the theme or tone of the episode really well. Especially of The Elder being like a, like a duelist. Yeah. I really felt like dueling with this music. Yeah, and the, what's even weirder with the, the score specifically for like The Elder, um, the music whenever he was on screen was kind of more horror-esque. It was very like haunting, which I was really, I really was surprised about that. I was excited. It fit the character really well. I was about to say that does fit him. He deserved it. Yeah. But yeah, the whole the score itself was composed again by Michiru Oshima, who also did the score for the twins. So you can see the the wide range that this has. This from those oh, two yeah. twins was very more like classical Star Wars. It was more operatic. Um, it, it, it sounded like Star Wars. It was like it had that very space opera sound like on Steam in that episode felt more um, it felt very Empire whereas a wide um, range of yeah. uh, Trigger as a whole I think between those two episodes. Absolutely. And I know that Michiru Oshima has done a few um, compositions for Trigger as well outside of just Star Visions. She I, I, again I probably mentioned this in when we did um, when we covered the twins, but she did the score for Night is Short, Walk On Girl. Um, she's composed No Light with the Red Hair. And again, for Trigger, she did Little Witch Academia. Um, she also Ooh. worked on Tatami Galaxy, and she was the original composer for Full Metal Alchemist. Ooh, that's a lot of, again, a very prestigious list. Yes. <sighs> so so lots what else of, we got? Lots of famous stuff. But otherwise... I'm pretty sure I know that this had a different director than the twins did because like the twin style was very like premiere esque. Yes. And that's because it had the same director for premiere. Um, the main guy even looked like premiere. Yeah. But for the elder, oh no, my screen froze. Let me <laughs> I to actually Google this again. Directed by Mashiko Otsuka. Mashiko Otsuka has done like this, this was their first like major direction for Trigger. Um, they've done key animation for Gurren Lagann, and they've worked on like Little Witch Academia. He was the he was the writer for Little Witch Academia, actually, which is pretty. Oh, cool. he was the writer. Yeah, he was the script writer, and he's done planning, and I'm guessing that likely means uh, partially like storyboarding and and like story writing for uh, SSS Gridman and Dino Xenon, and he also did some script writing for the the second. The second season of Panning and Stalking is is Garter Belt the second season or the or the I'm not sure I never season. watched Panning and Stalking I don't remember but he was the he was the writer for one of the seasons of Panning and Stalking huh and he also directed he has done episode direction before this so he directed two episodes of Evangelion um he was an episode director on Kill a Kill um he directed three of the six episodes of Fui Kui. So like this was he's done a bunch of like episode direction, but he's never really helmed like a a project on his own really before, except for As, like uh, the sole director. But he's directed. The yeah, this was like his first time really being like the sole director, not having to like be underneath someone else or like because while he's directed episodes of stuff, 
Um, he's script written like for Little Witch Academia, and he wrote the script for this as well. But he's never written and directed something before. Do you have any final thoughts on it before we close out the podcast? Mm, I think I covered all my points. In conclusion, though, uh, Elder, really good. Uh, really good to see something like pre-Star Wars in modern Star Wars. Like, not that we don't have Old Republic. Like, we know all this. But very pre-Star Wars, this old guy was. I'm always a big fan of ancient evils. I think that compared to a lot of the other shorts, this was the first one that was like very much delved into the prequel era of Star Wars. Whereas most of the other ones either... OT. Yeah, The Village Bride and Tatooine Rhapsody were very much like during um, the beginning times of the Empire, like um, a little after the ends of Revenge of the Sith with Jedi running away from the, the Empire or dealing with the ramifications of the Clone Wars. Or stuff like the Twins, which was very much in the sequel trilogy era, dealing with the First Order and a lot of the technology there. Or things like the Ninth Jedi, that way into the future of Star Wars. This was like the only one that's very queerly like pre the prequel trilogy. Yes, the uh, uh, other one that happens during the sequel trilogy would be the Duel as well. The duel is weird because I don't think that the duel has like a specific spot in Star Wars where it has to take place. I mean, like it has the imagery of like they're being first order stormtrooper helmets, but, but I, think I don't it's think it's to yeah. invoke the imagery. I don't think it takes place in any specific time period in Star Wars. It just pulls just a suspended Star design. Wars. Yeah, I think out of all of the shorts, it's the one that feels most distanced from like Star Wars canon or what the actual timeline is. While all the rest seem to pull at least somewhat from some era of canon. Again, with the exception of the Ninth Jedi, which is very clearly taking place hundreds of years after the sequel trilogy. All right. Uh, any any closing thoughts? No, I think I covered everything. That'll do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Of course, once again, if you liked listening to our discussion on these episodes, please subscribe to us on the Rich Report so you get notified about when episodes get posted. Um, or you can follow us on Spotify. Of course, Sam, if people want to find you on Instagram, where can they find you at? That is do me 22 D zero zero M I E two two. And that is currently my only uh, major social media outlet. Gotcha. Um, of course, it was awesome having you on once again. I know this is the, it, the first major episode that we've had you on for that actually didn't get corrupted since oh, we covered. Yeah the finale of the second season of the mandalorian so well uh hopefully this goes better than the last time i was here and we get to keep the file this time well concerning that we're doing it on because the issue with that one was we weren't recording on zoom i've never had any issues with zoom before so this shouldn't be a problem when it comes to me i of course just put out reviews for the duel which is the new adam driver movie directed by ridley scott that came out last weekend that sadly is getting trampled on in the box office by Halloween Kills, which is such a shame. I also recently put out a review for the first season of Two Year Eternity, which is one of my favorite anime that I watched. We're currently covering it, um, me and my co-host are. And we're about to talk about the final arc, which I think we should be covering on the podcast next week. So that'll be really exciting. Otherwise, when it comes to articles that can be expected in the future, I'm planning on writing something about the final issue of Strange Adventures, which came out last week as well as a review on 
Slice of Life Isekai anime, The Saints Magic Power is Omnipotent, which will be uh, airing its last episode of its English dub this coming Tuesday. So get excited for all of that. Of course, once again, thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day.